Welcome to the Empowered Ladies Podcast, helping women heal and reactivate the goddess self through connection, collaboration, and contribution. The spot for self-development, interviews, and transformation. Oh, dang. <laughs> we did it. Hi, Eric. Hello. Oh, oh my God. How are you? I am so fantastic. I am absolutely thrilled and tickled and delighted to be interviewed by you two and be talking to you this morning. This is absolutely fantastic. It mean, it means a lot to me because people, people don't realize how transgender I am because I present very masculine and it's just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm really non-binary gender fluid. And it's just like my gender identity kind of goes back and forth. And I'm still kind of in the question, question of like, would I ever want to physically transition or not? I'm like, right. I don't know. But I think there could be some interesting stuff here because I feel a lot of the times this is like a non-binary trans person that wearing a male body means that my voice isn't heard in feminine spaces and in women's spaces. And I'm like right. kind of told like I have that privilege and I shouldn't have to transition and look like a woman in order to enter women's spaces as a trans person either. Mm-hmm. We agree. We definitely open up our events to all different types of people, right? Anybody who identifies as a woman, or one, yeah, or, yeah, exactly, or femme presenting. Um, but we haven't had anybody that has come to circle. Yeah, and it, you know, and it's interesting, and it's kind of I don't, I don't want to say controversial, but it's 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 a very it's a topic that needs a lot of thought because. Often when I'm excluded from a woman's space, it's because, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, this needs to be a safe space for women and women have been hurt by men that look like you. And so you need to understand like the responsibility is on you to look at the greater good and remove yourself from a woman's space because people are uncomfortable with your body. Right. Which is so uncomfortable. I couldn't imagine being told that. So it's like, that's a real crappy message there. But also it's just like, huh, it's not exactly an activism fight that I want to pick up because I would ultimately just be making women uncomfortable in their safe spaces. And you just want to be and you just want to heal and grow just like all of us, you know? Yeah. So there's, I think there's the secret (laughs) to empowering women is that you treat them like people. Right. They'll empower themselves and do a good job at things that matter to them. Imagine that. Right. Yeah. Imagine that. Welcome back to the Empowered Ladies podcast. It's your girls, Cass and Shelby. Cass here, I'm your trauma-informed yoga teacher and entrepreneur. And Shelby. Shelby, I am the goddess coach and I help women just step back into their goddess selves and remember their selves on a soul level and live from that space. That's right. And as Empowered Ladies events, we host transformational events that help you transform spiritually, mentally, emotionally, right? Just empower women and empower people who identify as women. Empower everyone. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And today we have a very, very special guest and his name is Eric and I will let him take it away. Eric, can you tell us, you know, again, your name, um, where you're from and what you do? Uh, hey, thank you so much for having me on. My name is Eric Sogan, and I am a startup founder and technical wizard chief technology officer living up in Portland, Oregon. And my whole thing is about taking ideas and turning them into actual technical products and systems and everything at starting businesses. So my work is a lot around entrepreneurship, and I see that in setting people up to win, that if I can not just give them coaching and give them you know great opportunity, but actually give them a job that works and create jobs, create you know new systems for people, that's it's kind of what I'm up to. Wow. So you're doing big things. Yeah, you know I'm an entrepreneur, so what that really means is that I'm unemployed, but I work really, 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 really hard at it. Oh, we completely yeah. understand that. We do. Yeah. Sure. I'm sure you feel fulfilled. I hope you feel fulfilled in what you do. I do. I must. Or right. e- either I'm fulfilled or I hate myself. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, it depends on the day. Yeah, it, it, does. T- it, t- it takes something to fail at something for decades and be like, yep, this is my career that I still love. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. You know. 
that's what it feels like when you put years into something that could turn into a million dollars and then it explodes and you get nothing and okay next move on oh you know someone else had the same idea yeah (laughs) exactly or you know what's happened to me a couple times is that i'm fired and then the company that i saved or grew then goes on and it's like oh that's mysterious how how did they continue operating they couldn't pay me but interesting you know stuff like that it's it's really a, a career where you learn how to be in the flow of things and that it really is more about the journey than it is the destination. Because if entrepreneurship for you is all about the destination, you're just going to have an absolutely miserable time every time you don't make the big bucks. So you've really got to believe okay. in the core of what you do, which so is everything. But, you know, most of us show up the jobs that we sit there at a desk and collect a paycheck for nine to five and don't really care, don't really engage. You know, usually the job is using us as much as, you know, we're using the job, but at the startup level, that is, you're a lot more close to the ground and you're actually, you know, if, if I'm a salesperson at a startup, you know, the company might actually be counting on me making my quota this month to survive and pay the hosting bills. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a different, it's a very different beast. And so conscious coach and leadership of technology. So is this the same business? So conscious coach is one of my businesses that I'm starting founding. We are a coaching platform that is growing. I'm, I'm still figuring out my professional branding and everything I want to do. So leadership of technology is kind of, that might be my brand, but it also is a I, good description of what I do. Yeah, I like yeah that. that totally makes sense. So Conscious Coach is a place, it's one platform for all of your coaching needs. So you can come here and you get coached on your business, relationships, wellness, breath, everything. And so it's it's a new approach to coaching. It's a holistic method because the idea is that people don't necessarily need to have just one coach, but what they would like is expert advice on solving all sorts of life problems. So Maybe they come and get one main life coach for their business career, but then they need this and that on relationships, you know, some little specialty advice. Maybe they learn, oh, you know, I'd be a way more effective leader at work if I could give people feedback without sounding condescending. So now I'll go get that relationship coach for that one thing. And now I'm talking to my yoga instructor and we're doing a yoga session and I really can't chill out today. And so the yoga is doing the breath work and everything. And it's like, okay, so what's really stressing you out? And I say, man, you know, it's really my taxes. So, okay, that's great. Let's, con- you know, we'll, we'll continue this yoga breath work session. Let's also find you a tax coach. So now you're getting the yoga breath work, but you're also getting your tax coach and you're probably doing better because now you know how to not be so condescending to people. And it's just like, that's the idea of it's conscious coach. I love it. It's a straight coach database. And exactly. I feel like a very bad business person that I haven't got on my ass and applied. And told Shelly about it yet. Exactly. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then on the other side, I'll tell you a little more, more I'll tell you a little more about conscious coach. Mm-hmm. So then on the coach side of things, we're also revolutionary because unconscious coach, if you're a coach, you're representing your own brand. And so what I mean by that is you're on the platform as you with a custom landing page selling you and your services, and you're growing as a coach the same way that a YouTube star is using YouTube to grow their brand and become an influencer or Twitch or Instagram. There's not a platform where coaches can do what they do and potentially become influencers on the platform. No one, no one else is approaching the space in that way. So the coaches really get to shine and then they get connect with people in our marketplace who are searching for this holistic coaching approach. And in addition to that, so we have our, we're our customer marketplace. And right now we're also putting together coaching teams to do coaching for corporations. So for the corporations, what we're doing is you know, we're, we're putting together custom coaching teams for corporations. So if you have a corporation and what are your goals? Would you like you know, more wellness in your company or connectivity or are people struggling with COVID and the remote working situation or 
you know, what else is going on in your company? We come in and do the holistic approach for your executive team. So put together a team of, you know, well-versed, well-balanced executive coaches. Now we can come into your company and coach your company at the level of your whole organization. So we can influence the culture and make cultural changes and line everybody up and increase productivity, decrease people quitting their job, increase happiness and fulfillment. And so that's, that, that's, that's another part of conscious coach that we are. We're, we're a lot of things, but we're, we're basically a good way to look at us is right now we're like a little startup with an MVP. We're fundraising, making money, growing to the next level. But our vision is being a like one-stop shop for everything coaching, including like all the tools that coaches would need to have a great coaching experience with their clients and everything they need to run their brand and build their business. And for clients, a trusted, vetted coaching experience that integrates into their life. Wow. Yeah. Mic drop. That is amazing. (laughs) And for the coach side, connecting them with corporations. I think that's so great because it's hard to get into those spaces, but that's actually really a great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a little bit of a refocus for us um, because something I've learned about growing this business is that, you know, that, that can apply to all kinds of businesses is our main vision is having, you know, the majority of conscious coach will be people coming into our coaching marketplace, you know, or our website and buying coaching from all of our coaches. Right. And it turns out that is a little bit harder to kickstart organically than going after, for example, corporate coaching clients. So yeah. we've spent, we started out, you know, thinking, okay, we're going to slow build slow or, you know, slowly organically build our marketplace and our platform that's hard without a marketing budget. That's hard without a bunch of advertising. That's, you know, they're just, you know, with lack of resources. So it turns out, oh, you know what, this is a really great refocus for us because just one or two corporate coaching clients is enough to pay for us to build out, you know, to, to put the tech in, in uh, tech investment that we need to build out the rest of our marketplace effectively. So it's, maybe it should be, us. <laughs> uh, yeah, what? Maybe you should be helping us grow our business, Dave. <laughs> Certainly, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that maybe is... I'm doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, this will help right now. Yeah, I think we'll have to have the um, application link in our description for the episode for sure. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. Yes, thank you. But yeah, yeah, thank you. And in terms of like the entrepreneurial space in general. And being gender fluid, transgender, what has your experience been in that space, in the entrepreneurial space, in the self-development space, everywhere that you are, I guess? You know, it's, I have a very, very unique experience of privilege in that I am super queer and transgender and polyamorous and pansexual and a complete weirdo freak nerd person. <laughs> like, I am completely time. ridiculous. So I'm, okay. I'm completely, absolutely ridiculous. But a <laughs> big advantage I have, yeah, a big advantage I have is that I can enter spaces and I can choose, do I want to present straight, cis, white right now? Or do I want to be queer? So I can, I can actually enter a space and I can decide, do I want to be open? And so it's interesting, you know, I I don't, I don't see it as like being inauthentic or anything. It's just like a little more like being like a gender chameleon, but just, just kind of like happenstance. I like professionally is so heteronormative and cis dominated that Mm -hmm. I never know when I'm going to face oppression. So I don't always lead with that. And it's, it's not always necessarily appropriate. Like when I, you know, if I go to a technology networking conference for three days, I think, you know, if it's, if it's not really necessarily about queerness in the space, I might, just might not happen to tell anybody because. Right. If it I, doesn't come up. Exactly. So do, you, so do you feel like you have to hide yourself a little bit in most spaces? I feel like I don't necessarily feel like I have to hide myself in those spaces. Mm -hmm. 
it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting dual dynamic going on you know one i i don't feel like i need to hide myself in this space but do i ne- is it something relevant is it something that i need to bring forth right. is it something i need to sit so when i'm at a table of dudes like talking business do i need to let them know hey by the way i'm this right no so it's not necessarily relevant and then two it's always a you know it might not necessarily be appropriate for the space for me to like take on gender stuff that I see in a networking conference or it might be me being disruptive or make it about me or take the focus away or just that might not be the experience that I want to have at that conference I want to show up and network like everybody else so it's kind of, it's kind of a long, kind of a long answer, but it's just, you know, so I, ha- I haven't faced, I, I think I've faced less oppression than a lot of people professionally in terms of, I can judge a space and decide how open do I want to be. Right. But people who are very visibly queer or gender non-binary or, you know, comes, you know, comes down to appearance or very it's or something where that's something they always want to lead with professionally like if my mm-hmm. if my brand was queer activist and that was my number one thing I would lead with that everywhere in every space I'm in because that course. would be appropriate <laughs> right right that makes total sense wow I just can't even I think it's a great advantage you have but I think it's also it could be a burden at times you know but it's great that you consider yourself a chameleon. I think that you use it to your advantage and to your benefit. And that is so awesome. Does mm-hmm. this affect your decision to transition or not? Um, that's kind of, that's, that, that's a whole, it's a and it's whole a very interesting personal discussion. Question. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a, that's, that no, that's a great, that's a, that's a great question. It's a great, that, that is a question with a big, with a big answer to it. So Uh the decision to transition for people is a very personal one and going, going to a definition of transgender, because a lot of people wonder what transgender is. And it's Mm -hmm. very, very, very simple. All transgender means is that the gender identity that I have today is different from the gender identity I was assigned at birth. That's literally all it means. And people make it way too complicated. So what that practically means is that I lived my life. And at some point when I started to feel different than the role that I was expected and forced to play, that instead of being allowed to continue on developing and growing and being myself in the world, I needed to live a performance. And so... A big part of the transgender journey, a lot of why people who are transgender have mental health, PTSD, have a lot of problems understanding who they are and their identity, is that there's a fundamental disconnect in between living as my authentic self, where I am a collection of consciousness and energies and thoughts and feelings and sensations that come into my being, and I animate or speak or embody. And so I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing before I'm doing it. I'm, I'm embodying my thoughts, feelings, and body sensations in the world in a way that is responsive and reactive to the world and the situations around me. And so that's really, that's really being a human being. And that's something I needed to learn. So mm-hmm. if, if when we're transgender, we grow up learning that I have to be something else. So when I suddenly am called, for example, to man up or be manly or girls don't cry or boys can't be beautiful, for example, beauty is an, as a way of being that is important to me that I felt like I could never be as a man. And so that like oh, that, that's, so that's I see your pictures, Eric, and you are a beautiful man. I agree. Oh my gosh, thank you. That means so much. It, it, <laughs> you really are beautiful. You girls are the best. Your intelligence, like your emotional intelligence, everything. You're a very beautiful person. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It means it really means a lot hearing that. And it took a lot of courage for me to let 
that show in pictures mm. versus be, if you go back on my Facebook, you see, I used to have a really exaggerated grin and a little bit more of a, like, I didn't let the femininity show and body yeah. language. I had a lot of, a lot of my pictures I'm doing like he-man poses or like, you know, Trust you know, just like, here I am on the, on the top of a rock on top of a mountain, <laughs> uh, flexing. And hey, you know I like what? To do that too. That's really, really, really <laughs> fun. And yeah. that's, you know, but the thing is like when you're transgender, you grow up learning. That's the only thing you're allowed to be. So right. it's kind of like, Growing up transgender, we learn how to live as a performance. I learn that I need to filter myself. So I have an identity, a narrative of who I'm supposed to be that I think is me because I've suppressed everything. And so then there's a transition of, okay, now I think I'm transgender. What does this mean? I'm going to start playing around with stuff in my life. And then you learn how to make a different performance. Because all you've ever known is how to have performance. And so things don't quite feel right yet. And so there's a breakthrough point in the journey of being transgender, growing up, being forced to be one thing, then becoming something, you know, someone else, someone that's authentic, someone that comes from not me deciding what I have to be or what is the role I'm expected to play, but simply what feels good in my body. I use it as an example of like, like enjoying music, you know, that that was an example was that, you know, growing up, I needed to listen to music that was gendered appropriately and kind of like, you can rock out to Britney Spears, right? Exactly. Or like you damn well should be able to like, everyone needs to enjoy Britney. Yeah. Um, right. And I ask, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that with all that you're talking about, I'm thinking back to the times that I may have said something like this to a man and I may have, what's the word, like just repressed him. Yeah. yeah. And his masculinity and his femininity and made him feel a certain way. Can I ask you when you think about your past um, and people who did tell you like to man up or boys don't cry. Do you remember if it was like more women that would tell you that or men? I'm curious. You know, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting question. I would say that it's about even honestly, in terms of, you know, boys don't cry, men don't cry. I would say that I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of my, my, my instinct tells me that men can be a little meaner about it. But I'm asking myself if that's true. Right. Is that really because, true? Because because that's my first instinct. But I'm thinking all the times that women have been just as nasty about it. Oh, yeah. It's like it's, it's boys don't cry. Men don't cry. Man up. It is culturally permitted dehumanization of a right. person and says you're not allowed to have those feelings that you're having right now. They need to go away or you're not of contribution to society. It's and that you severe. Be, you just can't even be what you are. You know, you're being told left and right that who you are is wrong. You mm-hmm. know, who are on the inside, who you truly are on a soul level is wrong. And that can really just mess you up. And I, I am just feeling for your inner child right now. And I know mm. that it sounds like you've really done a lot of work with them, but I'm just really feeling for little Eric oh my gosh thank you thank you so much because it was it was the sweetest thing I just I I remember being a little boy and wanting to be beautiful and I wanted to be a Disney princess and run around with animals more than I wanted to be he-man yeah and it was so confusing that beauty made me wrong that that somehow was wrong for me and so There, there's some gender confusion that I had to break through around that because when I was a teenager being gender fluid, my masculine side and my feminine side were very opposite ends of the spectrum. And so my feminine side had a lot of things in it that I didn't think I could be allowed to be as a man. So like that was where I held all the beauty. And so then I had to learn culturally understanding also, hey, this is an expression that is not just allowed, but actually really loved and appreciated in a masculine expression. So undoing misconceptions, the sides have come 
a lot more together going you know go i want to touch back on the boys don't cry thing because mm-hmm. that's that that's one of the most horrible messages that men face in our society is you know boys don't cry and really another message is that you know you can't be hurt and another message is you are expected to physically defend everyone from mm-hmm. any danger at a drop of a hat and if you don't then you have no value and right. so masculinity for men it's everything we're told from a very young age that your only value is as a body either going off to war and dying for the country or as a provider or as a protector and you've got to be superman you've got to have the house the car the job the social success you've got to be a real man and you can't cry about it and right. so all this all this pressure all these pressures men face, but we're told at a very, very, very young age, we're told like when we start crying, like, you know, two-year-olds are told, you know, boys don't cry. We shove down our emotions. And so then we go our whole life. So now we have men who are now 40. And so they're facing a crisis on multiple levels. One, mm-hmm. society has changed around them. So what was right was how do I deal with emotions? Man up, don't cry, fight it or fuck it. That, that, that's the range of everything I can, I know how to do with my emotions and my sensations. And now culture's changed. Now it's like, Hey, actually we want men to be soft and we want men to be in touch with their emotions. And we want men to be gentle and articulate in their emotional intelligence. When the hell they have the time to learn that? Like you, right. you literally don't, you shove it down your whole life. And now not only are they being judged as men, but they're being held to a level of emotional intelligence uh, that women and people who didn't fall prey to toxic masculinity naturally had an entire lifetime of learning. And so right. now they're expected to learn that all at once. And they don't even know the beginning of any language to approach that. So we've all seen, you know, dudes coming in and saying, blowing up Facebook threads with things that they're just like, there are levels of ignorance here that we don't have time for. (laughs) And, you know, it's not necessarily their fault. I like to say one of the best ways to, if you have a crush on a man and you want to end that crush, ask him about social issues. Wow. Probably won't have a crush. That is all encompassing of the male gender. And so (laughs) I I, I say that, I say that a lot in jest because I, I, there's a lot of men in my life that I absolutely love and I don't see it as being an individual problem with men, but a cultural problem. So then there's another layer to that too, is that the idea of masculinity, the idea of growth, the idea of manhood, a lot of the cultural markers that we have are you know, when do I get my first job, college, car, house, wife, supporting a family, vacations, all of these financial markers, social growth markers that now we're not having because the economy, because capitalism, because it's so different. So men are also feeling less than in that way. Because what worked for their father and their father's father and their father's father, and we have family pride. And now I'm the first man in this line of men who hasn't been able to make it happen. Mm. So there's that pressure. And then there's that pressure. And then on top of that, culture is changing. So now you tell a man, hey, you've been the alpha male your whole life of the really great ways that you make fun of gay people all the time. And you've gotten accolades, you've been popular, you've been the best bully at the bar. Everybody thinks you're macho for that. And now that's wrong. And the first thing that they want to do is blame all the queer people for changing everything because they're just making harmless jokes. Right. So Uh, you want to know why men are joining the Proud Boys? It's because of this. Wow. It runs so deeply in everything. Because think about that. And I've, 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 I've studied the proud, you know, the proud Boys and how these hate groups form. And I can see it's so clear how men get into these groups wanting a place to belong. 
because yeah. every other space they try to go to now, they can't talk about how gay people are, are, are the fault of everything. And why, how, how dare anybody tell me that I would have, that I'm wrong if I would never be attracted to somebody transgender. I'm going to go mm-hmm. rant about this to my men's group and feel included. No one's going to tell me that it, that, you know, it's my responsibility or that the America that I wish existed doesn't exist anymore. They're going to tell me it's immigrants. Mm. And so, you know, it's these, these hate groups, these militias are a place that's, it's described as a safe space for toxic masculinity is a good way of looking at it. And the the only place these men know how to feel safe is an environment of toxic masculinity because yeah. everywhere else it feels like they're less than or they're being attacked for who they are and they don't know how to handle that because they're also expected to have you know if if they're 40 and having this great awakening you've got now you know how many years of gender politics identity politics feminism emotional intelligence and not being a douchebag to learn right right <laughs> so have many layers <laughs> there's so many layers Yeah, I think this brings us to another good question. So how can we as a society, not even just women and us people who host women's circles and spaces like that, but just as a society, as a culture, how can we be more accepting of gender fluid, transgender people um, and allow you to feel more empowered and um, accepted in that space? No, that's a great question. Thank you for that. I, th- I think for trans, I think for trans people and for gender fluid people, it's really that we're everywhere, and it's it's re- it's really a thing where you know with, with queer people and with transgender people, you know you notice the ones who are the most visible. So right. when you imagine, you know, what, when when somebody from the Midwest imagines somebody queer, they imagine people on a float at a pride parade. Oh my gosh, they imagine and, drag queens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They because because when they think about what looks gay, that's right. what looks gay. But if I'm right. in a, if I'm in a suit and dress of the nines, and I'm showing up, you know, in a masculine space, owning it, no one's going to think that they're just not going to have that thought that I'm queer. Right. So it's just like there's just a natural bias. It's kind of like when you want a new Jeep, you see Jeeps everywhere on the road. It's just like when you, you know, do you think queer people are at extremes because you never are exposed to people who would, you know, say they are. So I I, I would say just, you know, understand that, you know, we're all very unique people with our own stories and that, you know, as a gender fluid person being gendered, really strong as a dude or being gendered really strongly as a woman only or being categorized into a box is uncomfortable for me Mm. and so like especially in terms of like being allowed so there there there's a lot of work that can be done to make sure that spaces are inclusive of transgender people and so it really comes down to an intersectional feminism and I had this conversation with my sister who is a very amazing feminist and she Mm. um, I I had the conversation with her about you know how included can a trans person be to assert themselves into a woman's only space because that has been a that has been a question I've asked in my life because in my life wanting to ask myself the question, am I going to transition or not? That's been a question that's, that I've lived with. And so there's been a lot of times in my life, I've desperately wanted to be able to try out women's spaces to see how does this feel? Is this something that brings me alive? Is this something that I want to be? My, my one desire to enter a woman's space is to see, is this how I want to live? And so I've received a lot of message from no, sorry, you know, this is a woman's space. You look like a dude or sorry, it's your body. You need to understand that women in this safe space have been hurt by men who have bodies that look like yours. And so 
Eric, right. you, you're, you're a real gentle, sweet person, but the responsibility is on you to understand that you're a man. And so you just showing up in that space with your body is going to traumatize people. So you need to respectfully for the greater good, remove yourself from the space. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, that sucks to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, that sucks to hear. And it's really a missed opportunity for that circle to welcome in a human being that has such a unique perspective, first of all. And second of all, just to, you know, it's not that hard to just, you know, announce to the circle, hey, guys, we have a new person tonight. This is, you know, who they are. This is why they're here. And, you know, make it clear that you're not there for any type of invasion or any type of like, you know, it's not like that for you. And I don't think it's that hard for someone else to like represent that for you. Um, You know, like, it's not like they're holding your hand, but out of respect for any other human being, like, it's just like walking up to a friend and introducing them to your new friend. Like, that's all it is. So that like makes me really upset that you've had that experience. And I'm really sorry about that. Me too. Um, And more so, yeah, those women really did miss such a great opportunity to change their perspective and open their minds and hearts a little bit more. So yeah. And to learn and to learn a whole new level of femininity that they will never probably reach. Yeah. You know, you have such a unique perspective of femininity in general. In fact, what would you say now, uh, your age now, where you are in life now, what your idea of femininity is now? Oh, that's interesting. First, uh, first I'll answer. Thank you too for that. And I really appreciate your perspective on how easy it could be to include me into a woman's space. And I really, you know, I, I really appreciate that because when I've asked I often find myself in a defensive position defending against the invasion. And so now it's just like, I'm on the end of a privilege conversation being told I need to be the one to check my privilege and that we're not even going to talk to you about this anymore. Cause you're, you're, you're just, you're just not, you're, you're coming from privilege right now. So it's really, but it's not even like you just walk in, you know, you ask right? like, this is right? just so frustrating <laughs> there was and there, there was one space there was there was a woman uh, a woman's only workshop that I like really 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 wanted to do because I did the men's equivalent of the same training mm. and I thought that it would be one of the most amazing experiences of my life to be able to do that one because I learned right. so much about my masculinity and the man training that I feel like if I would be allowed to in the woman's space it would be one of the greatest things in my life and would give me a lot of clarity on my gender and if I want to physically transition or not I think but I was told that trans people are allowed in that workshop after they physically transitioned only so I would need to have surgery wow what the oh my gosh (laughs) yeah so it's like that's where that that's where that individual person draws the line and you know what I really respect the heck out of that workshop facilitator I think they're one of the best but it's just like here we go here's here's the line and then what's the reason what's the purpose the purpose is to keep the rest of the room safe from me and my horrible body that would traumatize and ruin the experience for everybody so can't risk that you must feel like you're just being looked at as a body too I can't, you've mentioned that Mm -hmm. a few times now, and that makes me, um, think about how, how men do view like sexuality and everything and how, how we view men, like these very sexual beings that only care about sex or whatever. Right. And well, no wonder, like (laughs) you're like only treated as a body, like all the Mm -hmm. time. That's horrible. Right. Right. It's, it's everywhere from the draft to I'm also six, two and huge. So if there's ever anything big to pick up, or something on a high shelf, you know, <laughs> it's like, which I happen to love moving heavy things because I go to the gym. So it's exciting for me, <laughs> right. but like, why, why am I the one that needs to risk at a retail job, climbing up on the ladder and risking my back, my health, my safety, everything 
because none of the women want to do it. So like, there's an example of being a body, you know, an example of being a body is, you know, I understand how big and strong I am. I understand how much bigger and stronger I am than a tiny woman. And that's just the truth. So I'm always aware of my physicality. If I get into an elevator with a woman and she's the only one, or if I'm on a walk and we're the, you know, here I'm coming up walking faster than a woman on the side of the sidewalk. I might go to the other side of the sidewalk. So she knows I'm not following her or, if I go into a parking garage at two in the morning and it's my car and a woman is at her car having car trouble and how, how do I get to my car and or ask her if she needs help without terrifying her? So there, there's all right. these situations where I'm very, very aware of my size and my body and just how many people are scared of me just simply from my size. Yeah. And that's so considerate of you. And it's so amazing of you, but it definitely sucks on both sides. Like why, why do we both have to be fearful of each other? That's just a fucking human problem. Right. It (laughs) It really is. I don't, I don't think a lot of people know, but like being so big and strong, I actually notice, I can notice when there's a woman in the space that doesn't know me. And that's just like my size. I can notice when people shrink away from my size and it's just like, and I just, just, just kind of tell. Well, you're and a gentle so giant. Not me. I think yeah. Probably- <laughs> I know, right? But they don't, they don't know that. They don't know that when they see this big beast show up in a parking lot at two right. in the morning. They don't that know that. So and I'm like, I can't judge that. Yeah, that is so true. Um, I just really quickly would love to go back to the women's circles topic because I have a very yes. specific question. Um, our brand and our marketing and everything that we do is about women. And we talk about women, um, you know, not just femininity. And so I wonder like how we can be more inclusive when our literal business name is empowered ladies events. (laughs) The, the way to do it is if you try to if you try to figure out out all on your own, it will probably come across as in, as inauthentic, and it might be easy to like miss target a little bit. But if right. you found somebody who's a trans woman that you wanted to collaborate with, and in mm-hmm. letting that be, you know, a collaboration in the space, like hey, here's an opportunity for you to make sure that your voice is included in the space. That's right. the way to do it. It's all about, it's, it's, it's about education, but ultimately collaboration is the way to do it. Cause you're actually giving the power and the voice of the marginalized. Correct. Well, you let us know, Eric, anytime you want to collaborate and speak. <laughs> Absolutely. I will. This has been fun. I will definitely do that. I will definitely help you guys out. Yeah. We'll be adding you into our community as well. We have a private one and we have a public one. Um, the public one is like almost a thousand, but the private one is only about a hundred people and it's very intimate. Yeah. Very, very intimate. And you would be the only, um, uh, non-cis woman. Right. Yeah. Or male body, non-cis woman, however you want to say that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be so special and that would be so cool. And just, uh, you're welcome to go live in there anytime. And yeah, any way that we could collaborate and do something together, maybe even like a circle together or something. Right. That would be so cool because yeah, we are, we've always been from the very beginning. We said, you know, we're open to anybody mm-hmm. um, that identifies as a woman, or I guess that's the way we explained it identifies as a right. woman, but I'm not even sure if that's the right term. Right. Um, but yeah, we definitely want to be more open to people. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting because space, a safe space for women as well, of course. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they're really you really have to look at intersectional feminism for this okay. because um I, I had a I had a really you know going back to the conversation with my sister I had a I had a really great conversation with my sister about this who's a amazing feminist and I've learned so much from her and so when we were talking about you know just simply asking the I asked her the question can someone be a feminist and exclude transgender people? And so, Mm. you know, me not knowing what are the technical definitions of feminism. So how do I fit this concept into a feminist framework? I just, I don't know. 
I learned, but my sister said, you know, an intersectional feminism can look that, for example, black women of color are a lot more marginalized than white women of color who have a whole different level of privilege and that the systems right. of oppression impact them a lot less than the people on the lower end of the scale. And so right. looking at it that way, looking at who's the most marginalized, who's the most oppressed trans people would be way further down on the oppression than, you know, area than, you know, cis white women. And so right. really it kind of needs to be a relook at privilege here because I think that I personally think that if your feminism does not include trans people, I think you're being a very bad feminist. And I think you might not even fit under a definition of feminism. <laughs> right. That is a very, very controversial thing for me to say, because you bet hey. you know what the answer people give me is shut up. You're a dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not here. That is not our answer here. My answer is that I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think that's 100% true. Yeah. And we would definitely be open to trans people, whether they're transitioned or not either. Yeah. And it sounds like one way we can really bridge this gap is by collaborating, like collaborating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) By collaborating. And, you know, I think that that's, it's just so cool. That's what our whole business has been about since the very beginning is collaboration over competition. And this is kind of stemming from the core of this judgment. I think that we have is maybe some of these women that are not allowing you into their circles are not just like feeling fearful because of they might be triggered, but maybe they're intimidated. Maybe they are afraid that you might be more feminine than them. Maybe, you know, who knows what mm-hmm. it is for Interesting. them. Interesting. But I never thought, I never thought about that kind of angle. Like, you know, what, what, you know, what could, what could intimidate them? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll admit sometimes I'm like, damn, he, he's rocking all that better than I ever could. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, dang, it's, you know, it's so true. <laughs> But that's just the individual too. I think that's just, I think it's great. That's awesome. It makes me think one of my best friends uh, growing up is Finnish. And I knew him on the internet as a teenager. And he was an English, uh, he had an English degree in college. And so I would constantly have my grammar in English corrected by this dude on the internet. And he (laughs) had the most fun in the world doing that because it wasn't even his native language. But Oh, in wow. terms of grammar and professional English writing, he was way better than most of us at the time because he went to college for English. Right. So it was hilarious. <laughs> and it's just like that, you know. It is like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I can't rock heels like some of these, uh, some of these boys over here. That's oh my cool. gosh, same. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is it 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 is it is hilarious. I think I think that's another thing to look at in culture is that trans women face a lot more discrimination in a lot in in, in terms of fitting in than trans men because tomboys can look hot to the male gaze but trans women don't and so it's kind of like that that's that's kind of an interesting thing is that you know someone who looks like a man you know like a man presenting as a woman can be seen as weak pathetic you're less of a man you're you know like like it's it's a it's a it's a takeaway you know but it's interesting that a woman who dresses like a dude and they don't even necessarily need to be non-binary they could just be really masculine in their presentation and have a short haircut and rock power suit and that's them and they could be a woman as that or they could be a man as that and so that 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 just kind of look of that tomboy look is accepted in culture so there's there's some ways now there's a lot of issues that trans men face that I'm not ignoring at all I'm just focusing on on this one right. thing that I've personally observed is that you see a lot of hate against trans women which is a lot of toxic masculinity that I don't necessarily see the same, you know, there are a lot of hate against all trans people, but not right. got that same appeal. A lot of it is appearance based and speaking into appearance, something that like most trans people are invisible. And so 
when a man says this is a big disconnect that men have in the transgender issue is that the you know an argument that's often made is most trans people you won't know that they're transgender and you just simply won't know and so i tell straight dudes that you have been attracted to trans women in your life you just haven't known they're transgender oh right <laughs> yeah and like how how would you know how you would are. you know you only know if you strike up a conversation with another human being exactly so because they're a person exactly so the idea that if for me to say i would never be attracted to a trans woman that's not something i could tell that that's not something i can control if I see a picture that is something I'm attracted to, I feel an attraction. I don't know what that person's genitals are. Right. And so coming from a place of just judgment and preconceived. Exactly. Exactly. So no, that, that's gross. Like for people to treat other people that way. Yeah. So it's just, there's a lot of layers in there, there's, a, there's a whole lot of layers in the way that our culture is transitioning. And I think that, Another, you know, a kind of another foundation for all this is that I think that we're seeing the death cries of white supremacy in America. Hopefully, we're seeing the you know the death throes of it, so it's getting kind of extreme before it dies off. I hope, and I think at the same time we're also seeing the failure of capitalism and the pandemic and the economy, and so there's there there's there's a lot of pressure on all sides. And I think we're all trying to return to something that never was really true. We all want to return to the America that works for everybody, even though it never did. And the pandemic stripped away that entire illusion. So as a consequence, all the marginalized stuff is, you know, that this naturally exists in our culture, I see as coming to the forefront because one, a whole lot more people are being marginalized and the way they're being marginalized now they're dying in the pandemic. So it's way more extreme Two, it's kind of like the poverty level now starting to include way more cis white dudes than has ever happened before in America Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways. And so there's, you know, there's just a lot of, there's there's a lot of pressure. So, you know, what, what happens when, you know what? You know what? What happens is let's just go hate on gay people. So, right. like something about me is that I run some of the largest LGBT uh, websites on the internet. Uh, a couple of them are on Reddit. So, if you go on LGBT mm-hmm. or pansexual, I'm part of the moderation community, and so I really see behind the scenes what happens in the gay community. I, I see all the attacks that happen. I see the new thing the new meme of the week i see the death threats i get death threats i get you know i see i see all the hatred firsthand and so it's Mm kind of like clockwork when trump was president every time something went down in trump land then there would just be huge savage attacks on the lgbt community so i'm Mm -hmm. talking like Mueller report drops we got brigaded we're talking you know trump loses something we get brigaded January right. 6th, most of us got death threats. It's just wow. like, we'll just go, you can, I could follow the news by the amount of hatred that goes into the LGBT communities on the internet. Wow. It's right. like, it's like clockwork. People literally decide I'm mad about politics. I'm going to go online and find gay people to go tell them to go tell, kill themselves. And I'm going to go right. as far right. as like starting a new account on Reddit so that I can go write a hundred comments in the hour before somebody catches me on every single post by a trans person, tell them to go kill themselves. Like this is one of the worst things, all these troll accounts. So that's like constant. That's, that's like a daily thing. Like every single post that a trans person makes on Reddit is flagged as being from, from people reporting it as being inappropriate, not safe for worse Mm -hmm. work, pornographic, obscene, then every single thread you can look as if you're a moderator, you can see all the deleted comments of hatred, right. like every wow. single one. Oh, oh, well, you just have so much on your plate. It sounds like you are so involved with your community. And I think that is just the most beautiful thing. 
Yeah. Um, and I want to say just thank you so much for shedding so much light on such important topics that we don't get to talk about very often here. Right. Um, so yeah, we really absolutely. This has been a total pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, I have as well. We have one question that we ask everyone and we would love to know from you as well. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. makes you, Eric, feel the most empowered? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. What makes me feel the most empowered is probably when I am in creative problem solving and I'm in that mode of there's something really complicated, be it work or life or a technical challenge or a product or a business, whatever it is, I feel the most empowered when I'm in my creative problem solving mode and connecting all the dots between things and being intuitive and grinding away, being relentless, and that I'm not going to quit on this problem until it's solved, be that a line of code or, you know, technological something or other, or, you know, in, you know business or journaling and figuring out my own stuff. That's when I feel the most empowered yeah. is when I'm in creation mode. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And I don't know what we'd do without your creative so so if i'm if i'm in my shit i try to get i try to get to doing this as quickly as possible because usually no matter what's going on if i can just get into the doingness of something usually whatever anxiety or fears or stories kind of go away the the fact that Hey, like right here, right now in this present moment, I'm feeling pretty smart about myself and capable and I'm doing work so Mm -hmm. I can let go of everything that's not empowering me. That's right. Get into that feminine flow. That is so good. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Release and receive is, I love that. Okay. Um, Before we go though, I do have one more, we need a golden nugget of truth from you. So what is one thing, a takeaway tip or anything that you'd love to leave our listeners with? One tip for your listeners. Let me think there are, that's always such an interesting question for me because I have so many different ways I could answer that (laughs) different realms, different worlds, different, like I could, I could talk, I could talk about healing from PTSD or I could talk about, you know, software as a service project management like you know, just like how about the healing, but I, healing yeah the healing I, yeah we, I, we usually ask people for like a healing tip as well so a, a healing tip I'll, fo- I'll focus on healing then i think if there's one if there's one takeaway i want to give your audience about healing it's that if i learn how to ground myself and find calm consistently then i can heal from anything because what hurts me is usually not the event that happened, but what actually does the hurt could be the years of the pain and suffering that I experience after it, or the stories that I make up about myself about it. Or if I'm in a difficult relationship where I'm doing a lot of avoiding of, you know, somebody is abusive and most of my relationship is around avoiding them at work or being really afraid of them. And you can think for, you know, that's a good example, like somebody very abusive that I need to deal with in my day-to-day, day-to-day life, they only hurt me as much as I feel the hurting. And so if I can get to grounded, if I can get to calm and center, there's nothing that I can't heal from. Healing from PTSD, what scares me, cool. You know, it's, it's all these different specific things. And so there's that practice of being able to find calm and groundedness and centeredness that one habit. Now I get there, self-care, lots of different things that I do, you know, everything from talking on the phone with a friend, listening to podcasts, journaling, meditating, Tai Chi, writing, exercising, video games, you know, the the self-care stuff. It's like having a big toolbox to help get there. But the core is, you know, if I can learn how to ground myself and consistently find calm myself, then I can heal from absolutely anything. Very true. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much, Eric. Oh, I feel so good after this episode and I'm sure our listeners are going to love it. Eric, do you, would you like to leave your Facebook or anything like that or an email so people can contact you or anything like that? Or I know you'll have the link for the application. 
let us know. I'll, I'll, I, I might need to think for a minute exactly what I want to give you. For sure. Okay, I want to brand. But this was so, so much fun. Like, I would do this again anytime. Yay! Us too. Yeah, we love you, Eric. <laughs> you have been such a delight to chat with and to learn yeah. from and hear. I, I just love hearing you talk. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're very welcome. We're very welcome. You two are absolutely wonderful at loving and compassionate and empowering. And I absolutely love and support and adore what you're doing to you know empower women but not just women empower everybody and just kind of I see you kind of changing the little bit of culture around you know women's empowerment and bringing it into something that is not just women being men in the space but you know what what is what is women's empowerment specifically and I really like that aspect of what oh you're doing oh my god i'm getting goosebumps i'm trying not to jump in my seat. <laughs> oh. yeah I that think, really meant the world to us to yeah. hear oh. you're welcome you're welcome i think you know a, a perspective on that is some you know i'm, I'm sure i'm sure i i don't want to mansplain to you too but the way i kind of see the way the way i kind of see it in culture is that we had world war ii and birth control happen at the same time and so women entered the workforce which was highly 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 male dominated because the yeah. workforce had been grown from men who were in World War One and World War Two and mo- very, very military. So our whole business yeah. culture is entirely based on military. It, you know, we, we don't make that connection. Yeah. Like, think about it. Okay, like, like, so when everybody naturally wants to replicate the life conditions where they had the most success. So if you're in the military, you're replicating your time in the military. And if you're military, your sense of what it means to be part of a community is military. And if you're military, then your idea of what it means to train and onboard and bring people into an organization is boot camp. Right. (laughs) Wow. So doesn't that explain a lot about our business culture? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it does. That just clicked. Our language. Not working a job. (laughs) Right. Our, our, our language. So like, I'm very intentional about to not use military language in my business practices, which a lot of people don't realize. So let's meet a deadline today. Well, a mm. deadline is where you cross this line, you're going to be shot and killed. Or across this line, you're going to die. Deadline. It's a military wow. term. What's our, what, what's our marketing target? So who am I going to shoot right. at today? Right. You know, what's, are you ready to launch our product? Okay. That's firing off a missile. Like, let's just aim a missile <laughs> at our customers. And like, here we go. I'm You're like hilarious. thinking about my old boss who was actually a military guy and how he used to walk around the freaking office. Uh-huh. <laughs> how do you guys look like to look at the bullet points on my presentation today? Mm. Like every, it's, yeah, right? it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> it really is. And so we don't realize that. So our culture, our business culture is inherently male dominated, not just male dominated, but heavily, heavily, heavily influenced by military, which exactly. what is boot camp? Boot camp is I'm going to go, I'm going to break a kid so that they will kill another kid across the world without questioning the orders that when I say kill, right. okay, I will follow orders. I will take my gun and I am scared and I'm aiming it at another kid. And the people in charge of this are a bunch of rich people on opposite sides of the world. But here we go. So that philosophy, that mentality, that training is how most business. So if you look at business culture, emotions aren't allowed. It's all about the mission. It's all about the company. No feelings. Business might well be one big punch in the face that says man up. Like it's and it's because of this. So I see I see how insidious this is. So when I see women entering in the workplace, they're entering as men, usually, you know, at least in in like World War II Vietnam days. Remember the shoulder pads? Shoulder pads, boss babe. That was the office lady. Oh, God. She was a working woman. Right? (laughs) I made so so, (laughs) Oh, my God. So I we put have on women one the other showing... day and I said, oh shit, this has fucking shoulder pads. <laughs> oh God, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. Like that is just, so that is just no so more, silly. No that's so, too funny. And well, so we have, so, so we have women entering the workplace and finding power, they're finding their masculine power, but not finding their feminine power. So still even in business, and this is changing a lot. You kind of see it a little bit, maybe 
with like boss babe stuff, which can go either way. But oh, when we gosh. think of what's a strong woman, we think a woman being a man. So yeah. femininity, not yeah, it's like it's feminine power is not really entered the workplace until, I don't know, not, you know, certainly wasn't during World War, World War II. Fem- yeah. Women showing up in, as men entered the workplace. Right. It's funny that you mentioned this because I've been dealing a lot with that. Like, you know, I think every woman who's in business, we tend to go too far into our masculine. Mm-hmm. And something really funny is I was getting like gray hairs only on the right side of my head. And I found out later that it had to do with because like, that's your more masculine side. And if you are like, too much into your masculine, then you're going to like develop problems on the right side of the body, at least for women anyway. And so, oh my God, it's funny. <laughs> It is so funny. You have enough man problems. You don't need them showing up on your body. Right? That's exactly. <laughs> I know, I'm actually dating right now after a 10-year marriage. So I have plenty of boy problems right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How scandalous yeah. is that? Right? Yes. I am actually about to go on a date right after this. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is so exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we will go ahead and let you go, Eric, and let you go enjoy your day. I just want to say thank you again for coming on our podcast and thank you to our listeners. We have episodes every Friday at one on all streaming platforms and um, we will put in the show notes how to get in contact with Eric and how to apply to Conscious Coach. And just thank you again. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. We love you. Absolutely. Love you too so much. I can't wait to do this again. Oh, yay. And we love all you listeners out there and we'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye. See you every Friday for more lifestyle empowerment and spirituality. Follow us on all social media at Empowered Ladies events. Till next time, goddesses. goddesses.